Welcome to another episode of Women on the Rise, where we are in Australia talking to incredible female entrepreneurs doing amazing things. And today I'm sitting down with Tina Harris from Lala Productions, who has revolutionized how people can show up online, especially on YouTube. And if you are Australian, you will also know Tina for a little TV show that she might have had in this country as well. Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. I'm Jen Blandos, the founder of Female Fusion, and this is where we look at everything entrepreneurship for female entrepreneurs. Whether you are just getting started or you have a seven or eight figure business, we cover the topics that matter most to you as you are building, growing, and scaling your business. Welcome to the podcast, Tina. Thanks, Jen. I'm so excited to have you. And so many things I want to talk about, but first, for anyone who's not Australian, um, I know that a lot of people in Australia know you and what you do, but maybe you could fill in our fun Australian listeners. Okay, so um, Mark, my husband, is a jazz double bass player, and I'm a trained classical opera singer, and so together, when our kids were little, we started a band, a five-piece band, and we put on children's shows and then we made television and uh, the first series was called Lila's Adventures and the second series was called Stripey Sock Club. Uh, and the shows were all about introducing children to music and musical instruments. So that's kind of where the core business started all those years ago. I think it was 16 or 17 years ago. Um, and that's now moved from what was a face-to-face business. Um, during COVID, we had a big pivot. We used to do a lot of live shows and touring to now what is an online business. So we do a lot of yeah, video production and making videos and YouTube. Okay, and did and the pandemic is what made you make that switch, is it? Yeah, that and me getting a bit older, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I think, no I, it's an interesting because I think we were at that point where we were touring a lot. So we would get up at six o'clock in the morning and pack the truck with gear and merchandise and um, sound systems and all the rest of it and, and rock up to a venue and bump in and perform the four or five hundred families which was lovely um, and we were doing 50 60 shows nationally all around Australia so we we're touring wow. yeah every single school holidays we're on the road touring um, and would you bring the kids as well or that's why we toured in the holidays so that the kids could come on the road with us because it wasn't actually sustainable to do it any other way and I am so grateful for that experience now because the kids grew up in the back of a van with a band and I think it's really shaped who they are now um, and they're, yeah, they're both, I'm very proud but they're both gorgeous, well-adjusted, wonderful human beings and so oh, yeah. I believe that that's not actually from Mark and myself, I believe it's from the band so that's been a positive experience. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And then in COVID, you couldn't do the touring. Oh. So you switched online. Well, yeah, so it was quite dramatic when it happened. So we had just, the last TV series we made, Astrophy Stop Club, um, it's very difficult to fund children's television yeah. in Australia. No, in any country, but specifically in Australia. There are so many challenges. Um, and there's one major broadcaster that you really want to get your show on. And so we decided that we would self-fund and we knew we needed to raise basically a million dollars. So we crowdfunded first. We went out to our audience and we said, we want to make a TV series. Um, it's really hard to do it. 
do you want us to do it? Can you help us? And so we raised about 104K first off with our audience putting money in. So that was, that was kind of... Um, 10% of what you needed. Yeah. Okay. And then we went... We are having conversations with the ABC the whole time. Uh, we went to Screen Australia. And because we raised this amount with the crowdfunding, um, they said, oh, you've got proof of audience. The audience want this TV show. Tick. Great. And through their digital funding, we were able... Because we already had a, a YouTube video that had, had over a million views we were able to um, tick a lot of the criteria for the digital funding. So they put money in. Then ABC went, oh, Screen Australia's involved. They decided that they wanted to put money in as well. And then we did a deal with RMIT University um, through a fabulous producer who we worked there, it was alumni. And we did a partnership where they helped by donating the studio and basically the, the whole facility to help oh, us wow. do that. So. Oh, and then because the studio was using new technology, we applied for R&D tax incentive, and that was the, then the closing amount to do that funding model. So that was quite stressful. Made the TV show, got it onto the ABC, and then we opened our tour for the next year. So all stakes of Australia, all the venues, everything went on sale. We had our biggest sales period. I'd spent all of the marketing budget, which was a considerable amount of money, yeah, COVID hits, and we go. What do we do? The whole thing just gets paused. But I've already spent the marketing budget, so no matter what happens, that money's not coming back. And so we had to decide really quickly. And we went out to the audience and we said, "The tour's off for now. This is COVID part one. Um, what do you want to do? We will refund your money, or we can hold on to it and you let us know. We're like, if the tour goes back in a couple of months." You'll, be, you'll have your seats, you'll be, you know, first in. 50% of the audience went, we'll have a refund. The other 50% said, hold on to them because we really want tickets to the show. Um, so we did that and then COVID part two and then time ticked on and ticked on. And we got to the end of the year and I said, that's it. We have to refund everybody. I don't want to be holding people's money yeah. waiting for this show that may or may not ever happen. Um, and we never went back on the road after that. Wow. So the business basically in that moment had to change it had to readjust and it had yeah. to you know figure out what it was going to be because i'm just hearing that and thinking from any business owner's perspective like refund credit card charges because for a, a business owner you you pay the 2.9 percent or a plus 30 cents or whatever it is that you're paying to your credit card provider to the to the payment gateway you don't get that money back when you do a refund so if if you have to refund all of those tickets, it's still minus the 2.9% that you had to pay. Plus, sometimes they charge you extra money to issue a refund. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, not only are you out of pocket, but you've lost all of that money. And you have no marketing budget. Yep. That's, I mean, that, that must have been quite hard for the first couple of days oh, to see that. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was it, like we were literally terrified. But um, I think... I made a phone call to one of my very dear friends. Her name's Shannon Jones, and she runs Australia's biggest YouTube channel. It's called Bounce Patrol Kids. And if you haven't checked it out, go check out Bounce Patrol Kids. They're incredible. Um, and I said, Shannon, what do I do? And she said, well, you make YouTube, of course. Yeah. What else are you going to do during this time? And 
So she's gorgeous. She's, she packaged up. She had an extra green screen. I had a green screen, but it was really crappy. And she said, no, 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 you need a good one. So she packaged up spare one that she had She um, and sent it to me. It arrived. We set it up in the lounge room and we started shooting. Um, at that time, we had a fairly good knowledge. And when I say we, I mean Mark, had a fairly good knowledge of um, what to do and how to put this together. But it really became like a a boot camp of how to shoot high quality green screen composite and make clips that I think look better than the last TV show we made. Um, and I think that's really interesting is that my whole perception of what is possible in your yes. lounge room. But isn't that powerful as well to show like, we're on small businesses hmm. or small budgets for a small business, right? Yeah. That a lot of times, and I've had a business for over 20 years, so I remember like 10 years ago, you would be like, this is impossible. I don't have the budget for this. I can't pay it. Like one video would cost you thousands of dollars. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you can shoot it in your living room behind a Google well, screen. I remember, I know you're talking to Tina Tower today. Yeah. I remember hearing Tina Tower talk first about Kajabi and going, that's a weird word. What is that? And I couldn't run my life without Kajabi things. We're all like Kajabi super. I know, like seriously. Yeah. So, you know, everything. And, and getting Mark on board with some of those platforms, um, we used to run what well, we tried also. And this is the great thing about COVID, that we all had an opportunity to stop everything and just experiment to see, do I like this? Do I like this? Is this going to work for me? Is that going to work for me? So we started an SBOT. We started a subscription video on demand service for the Stripey Sock Club which worked well in COVID, but I think like a lot of SVODs outside of the COVID model, yeah. parents are busy and there's so much out there and there's YouTube. So a lot of those video subscription services don't really work as well unless you're in a niche, like an education niche or something very special, yeah. then then that's when they work really well. But um, yeah, we tried that. We ran things off Uscreen. That was an interesting platform to work with as well. So. There's a lot of affordable options for people who want to do um, creative things at yeah. home. And so now you've completely transformed into showing people how to show up on video and how to create their videos and how to yeah. maximize YouTube. You are the, the vault of knowledge when it comes to YouTube. I need to ask you everything because <laughs> YouTube sucks <laughs> there's some things that'll make there's it some things that'll make it yeah yeah I, um yes so in a normal week um a majority of what like what we do is still making video so we're still shooting it and we're still editing um we're recording music because that's our love and that's who we are but what we found was there were so many um musicians and creative artists and authors and um business people who, who would come to us and say hey you guys are doing really well on youtube how do we do that? And so when that takes up a lot of your time, you think, I really need to start charging for this. Right. Exactly. Because if not, you're giving all that knowledge away for free. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I also think it kind of weeds out people as well um, because it shows you who's actually really serious about taking this information on board and using it. Yeah. Because especially in the creative space, there's a lot of tie kickers, people who kind of come along and go... I really want you to help me with this. And I say, well, I'll sit down and I'll help you with it. But then they don't go and implement it. 
But if they pay for it, they'll do it. They'll do it. Yeah. You know. So I was talking to somebody this week, and she was saying, "Oh, I paid like um, ten thousand dollars for this advisor to help me get better with my sales." Yeah. And she said, "Because I paid ten thousand dollars, she's like, you can bet that I dropped everything yeah. else, yeah, and I was going to make sure that I was going to get the highest return on investment possible with that person." Yeah. Paying yeah. for something focuses you like totally. nothing else. Yeah. Um, there's another amazing children's um, group, Pevin and Sarah, and they have the most interesting uh, online business models. So go and check them out. Pevin and Sarah, great. Um, and I was talking to Sarah the other day about this, and she said her business changed when they started to invest in the business and they started to yeah. treat it like a business. And I think, like, for a lot of people who are at that you know, that entrepreneurial starting point, taking the leap of faith to really, you know, believe in what you want to create and believe in what you do, that's actually, that's the magic. That's where it starts to work. Yeah. Happen. And it's it, it's so important to be able to do that investment, right? Because yeah. it makes such a difference. Like we found as well that we started out with the podcast. Like I used a recording studio and then I got a bit lazy and I did some stuff at home. And then we went into a professional studio and did it with the, the camera and the sound. And then all of a sudden the podcast took off. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, am I going to be serious about this? Mm. And really but can I ask it. you, did it take off because you mentally and emotionally started treating it differently or because the equipment and the setup was different? I would say probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my reasons for going into having a podcast for kind of I mean, initially, it was all revenue-driven mm -hmm. because Kajabi did research last year and they said any business on Kajabi that has a podcast makes 28% more. So I was like, me, I will. <laughs> if it means like 28% more, and to be honest, like it was a little bit like, yeah, I'll just like rock up and I'll, you know, it was all completely planned because I am a planner and it needs to be well-organized. But I was also, I don't know, I think that when it went to the studio with the camera with the professional sound that I was like okay this is this is big time now because it, I'm investing money like I spend a lot of money every month to do the podcast but I would say that we also get that return on investment back exactly and there is that added benefit that you can write it off instead I'm not an accountant don't quote me on that yeah. but you know see what's tax deductible because it is a it. genuine yeah. business cost you know yeah well all of those things yeah. yeah I mean any of those things but I've seen that that's really um created more awareness mm -hmm. for us and our podcast has massively grown over the past year so I think that a hundred percent I'm behind doing that but I think that video is so important to go along with the audio of the podcast as well Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, and we were talking before about how important YouTube is for podcasts yes. as well because, you know, research has just recently come out where 50% of a podcast audience is coming from YouTube. It's not just Spotify. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, YouTube is and, – and YouTube's getting serious about it, which is why they've got the new tab up the top, which is why there's a drop-down now. It's, yeah. it's easy for people to access and listen to podcasts and watch podcasts. I, I love YouTube. Um, I, I just love YouTube for so many different videos. And I think for small businesses, it gets neglected. That it's not one of those things that everybody's like, I'm going to be on Facebook, I'm going to be on Instagram, maybe on LinkedIn a little bit. But YouTube is not typically part of that strategy. No, that's right. And I think people often overlook it as a revenue stream as well. 
um, and it can be a really powerful revenue stream. So it, it you know has multiple functions. One is it goes off and it finds your audience, yeah, because it has its own audience. I think the thing that I hated most about doing live shows was selling tickets. I hate selling tickets so yeah. much it keeps me up at night. And I've spoken to so many entertainers <laughs> that it's the same thing. You know, um, you you decide you're going to create this amazing event and you invest all this money in it, and then you have to go and sell the ticket. So that's terrifying. Um, but YouTube, you create the content and you make content that the audience wants to see, they have the audience and not, they don't just have the audience in your hometown, they have the audience globally. So when our first TV series went, um, onto ABC kids in the best time slot, which is 7am in the morning on a weekday, uh, day one, when it premiered, we had 200,000 families tune in, which is great. But we now get 1.5 million views on our YouTube channel every 48 hours. Wow. And so that's like, it's just a game changer. Yeah. Really. And so how do, so for entrepreneurs who are thinking about this, which is so much to unpack here. Yeah. <laughs> so basically you would, if, if you have really powerful content that you are having these millions of views, that then basically YouTube is sending you a check or a bank transfer every month for that. Yeah, I, th I think it's really important for people to have, um, it, and it depends on what genre you're in. So we're in MFK, Made for Kids. Um, kids and family get millions of views on a good video. And the reason they do is because kids watch things multiple times. Of course and they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyone who's had a kid knows that you hear the same thing again yeah. and again yeah. again. yeah, and depending on um, how the video goes, um, depending on what territory it does well, YouTube will really support that video. Okay. Um, in small business or in entrepreneurial space, uh, it's really important to research first what your video is going to be on. And so you can go to places like Google Trends and um, search uh, key terms and things to see and, and also make a list of other channels and things that you are inspired about or um, topics that you're interested in speaking about or things that are in your genius zone and make a list of that and see what's doing better than others. Um, there's two ways that you can, well, there's several ways you can make money from a grown-up channel. So kids channel, just through ad revenue, right? You can't advertise, comments are switched off. This is all to do with the big copper fund that YouTube received yeah. um, several years ago. In the grown-up space, you have a shop. You can sell stuff. You have ad revenue. So basically every dollar that comes in and advertisers pays. If you're if you're if you haven't qualified as a YouTube partner, YouTube takes all of that revenue. They're still gonna put an ad in front of your video, but they're gonna take all of that revenue. If you're qualified for the um, partner program, yeah, then fifty percent of that will come to you. Okay. So YouTube takes fifty percent for the running the platform and then and the audience having the audience. Yeah. And fifty percent will come to you. And at what point does your business qualify? What? Uh, so you need to have a thousand um, subscribers or for and four thousand watch hours. And you can also now qualify through shorts, um, but it's millions and millions of views on the shorts. So okay. we usually advise our clients that um, look at getting the subscriber base first. Um, get that minimum first thousand. Your, your channel's already qualified. I think I looked at it the other day. Yeah. Um, and your channel's doing really well, Jen. You should be proud of your oh, doing good. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's mainly filled with the podcast, and it is something that 
I would like to spend more time with because YouTube is, I think it's still the largest search engine in the world. It is, isn't it? yeah, absolutely. So it's also like, but one of the things I love about YouTube is it's kind of like, you know, when Facebook does Facebook memories yeah, and you get to go back and look at all the Facebook memories and you see how you've progressed. Yeah, yeah. YouTube's like that. So you never want to delete anything off the channel. You can yeah. private something if you want. But people actually like going back and looking at, if you get a, a mega fan, they're going to go back and they're going to want to see what you were doing two years ago or yeah. three years ago. And they want to see how it's progressed and they go, wow, they've really done some great stuff. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's really cool. Um, it helps build authenticity with people as well. Yeah. And people become this you know, lifelong fan, which I think is yeah. really amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I love video. I'm like super into video and it's one of those things where I was so happy that you're you're on the podcast because I'm like, oh, ask everything. <laughs> you get Tina here and ask it all. Yeah. Um, one thing that we have a lot of people um we did we did a lot of training, camera training for women in business during yeah. during COVID. Um because as a mum and um I think being in the kids and family space a lot of other mums who were, who were, you know, entrepreneurial would contact me and go, oh, how do I, how do I do and make video? Or how do I perform better on camera? Well, the one little tip that I gave to everybody, which I think is still really amazing, is if you haven't performed on camera before, or if you've, for example, you've got a podcast and you've never actually recorded the video, you're yeah. doing a podcast, just set up your iPhone. Yeah. And video yourself, set it up, look at maybe the background, making sure it's not too cluttered or, you know, grabbing a ring light or a couple of lights and lighting yourself properly. Video yourself and pop it into a closed Facebook group. So you just set up the closed Facebook group and it's my practice group. Yeah. Don't give the link to anybody, just keep it yourself. And pop your videos up there. Maybe you try and film yourself each day for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And what you'll find is in that process, your performance style will get better and better and better and better. And you'll get more confident on camera. Yeah. And it's a really fantastic tool. I love that. Yeah, it's good. Because you know, I'll say to people, it's like, go and film yourself with your yeah. camera and do several iterations of that. But I never thought of actually setting up your own private Facebook group. Because the thing is, is that... The first couple of videos you do, they're gonna suck. They're gonna crap. They're gonna they're they're gonna be so bad. Yeah. And I I, I say as well that like even for things like training courses, if people decide that they want to get into online training or membership or whatever, mm. you see those first ones, and your course is gonna suck. But two years yep. from now, it's gonna suck. Yep. But the thing is, is it, you you have to suck sometime. So get it out there, do it, and then just get better and better. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And and the simple physical fact of having to upload that video into Facebook and just trimming it, you know, trim yeah. the front, trim the end of it, Yeah. pop it in, um, makes you accountable to yourself. It's also great because you get to see how to set up your lights, to see if you're setting up a microphone to make sure that the, the audio is working properly. And it gets you used to using gear yeah. um, because... A lot of people get overwhelmed by the tech, and the tech doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes we overthink things, and then it becomes a barrier to us actually doing it. Absolutely. It's only hard the first time. Once you yeah. figure it out the first time, yeah. then it's always okay. But, you know, that was a barrier for me for podcasts. Like, I had no problems with video. Mm -hmm. I said, ah, oh, the tech or the podcast, and how do you record it? And what's, you know, what, what about the sound? And 
I just, and then I was like, that's something that I'll think about later. Yeah. And then when I actually did it, it's like, this isn't bad. Yeah. You know, come on, like it's not that hard. And now we're 80 episodes in. <laughs> that's amazing. That's yeah. so good. And I think sometimes you just have to throw yourself into it and do it and know that it's going to suck. And you know what's interesting is even because I thought my first 10 episodes are going to suck at the podcast. Those first 10 episodes have the highest listens out of all of the other episodes. And I was like, oh, maybe they didn't suck that much after all. <laughs> so, so much of it is just confidence. It's like yeah. just getting started and getting going. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. So let's talk about YouTube. So many people want to do YouTube. I think it's the fear, like, I had with the podcast as well. But I don't understand it. I don't know how to use it. You know, and a lot of times, Instagram and Facebook are easier for people. So they, that's kind of the comfortable place. And so they'll upload the video on the Instagram, they'll do a reel, they'll stick something on Facebook. And YouTube is a bit scary. But it's it's not scary. But I think it. Th this is what I hear from entrepreneurs who say, like, oh, yeah, I don't really do YouTube. Yeah, it's interesting because it actually acts exactly the same. Yeah. So if you think about setting up your Instagram, you set up an avatar and you either set up um, maybe you've got a picture or a banner or, you know, so you've got some kind of image there yeah. that is you. Um, you've got your description. You've maybe got a link tree or you've got some, some kind of links or you've got information so that you're funneling people from that social media platform back to, to your website. Whatever you're doing, yeah. yeah and it's got a, a key message or a calling out. Uh, and you're making content that is relevant to your audience. It was exactly the same thing on YouTube. I think um, the probably the easiest thing people can do when they're starting a channel or they're looking at the channel they have is to do what we call a bit of a YouTube re reboot or give it a bit of a facelift. Um, so I think when people are setting up their YouTube channel, it's really important just to know that it's just another platform. It's just like social media and it doesn't have to be hard. So you're setting up your avatar, you're setting up your banner, you're doing your description. You want to make sure you grab a name that is relevant to your brand or you or um, because YouTube will generate a weird name with a whole lot of numbers behind it. So Until you, can, you get to a certain number. Yeah, and you can change it. Exactly. Yes. Um, I think actually you can claim your handle even earlier on now. They keep changing the rules on it. Um, and once you've got the key information, think of it like a real estate ad. You've got to make it look pretty and have all that key information there then you start to get to the next bit which is making videos um, and with the videos the most important thing about any video that you put on youtube is the thumbnail i knew you were going to say that i was smiling because i knew you were going to say that and that is for us in female fusion that that's letting us down. I know that it's okay. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. Show you what to do. But Easy. what I want to know, so I want to share this with everybody yep. who's listening. Let's talk about the science of the thumbnail. Of okay. Why right. it is so, so important. I have my iPhone here. Hopefully yeah. I can make your microphone crackle. Um, this is actually what people watch yeah. YouTube on. And yeah. so... The other thing is, people don't always, and I have the really large iPhone here, um, people don't always watch in portrait mode. Often they're scrolling YouTube and they're scrolling, like yes. it's landscape, they're actually scrolling a portrait. Yeah. So if you think about the size of the thumbnail, it's tiny. Yeah. So if you um, just put a, a, if you think about your thumbnail and you've got people standing in a full shot, 
they're going to look like ants on that thumbnail and it's not going to be catching it's not going to stop your audience so mm. when we create a thumbnail we usually create it's um it's a it's kind of like you imagine that it's like a a shot of a, a smiling or happy face it's usually from about shoulders to the top of the head so we've got one or two main characters yeah on the thumbnail if it's an adult um when i say adult i just mean grown up a day uh, if it's an adult um, video, yeah, you might have text. If it's for kids and they're pre-readers, you don't have Pictures. text because they can't read. Yeah. Um, if it's a long video for, you know, under five, so maybe it goes for thirty minutes, then we put a thirty-minute play just so mum knows that it's a longer video when she goes and scrolls like, Yes, <laughs> exactly. At the shopping, bang, there goes yeah. that video. Um, there's some rules with where you put the key character on a thumbnail and usually you play on the rule of thirds so um, if you imagine the thumbnail broken up yes is where the face goes uh, the other thing to consider is Mark did a fascinating study on some of the most successful thumbnails in both the, the made for kids and also in, in the more adult um, videos smiles with open mouths that's a winner it's a winner and so, it could be shocked it can be happy, it can be, but it's got to be excited. It's got to be a, ah. So, okay, so I, I, I want to know this also personally because you see a lot of thumbnails and I think this is where maybe entrepreneurs feel, because there is this thing about showing up right or I don't want to, to look cheesy or embarrass myself. And a lot of the, the images that you see on thumbnails are people like two thumbs up and like, about <laughs> smiling or surprised or like this or hands up like weird gestures that I know a lot of business owners would be like that's super weird I'm not doing that and how do you so maybe you're super extroverted and crazy and you don't care doing those surprise looks smiling happy whatever but if you're a bit more serious or feel a bit Dignified, I think. Is Dignified, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I hear what you're saying. I think the most important thing is not to take a screen grab of the video and post this as the thumbnail. That's, that's the big no-no. What you want to do is take a separate photo shoot and you're going to use that photo in your thumbnail and you're going to craft a thumbnail. Now, it doesn't matter if you do it in Photoshop or Canva or however you do it, that's thumbnail needs to be composed yeah it's it's not just a screen grab so okay so interesting so because I was going to say to you so does that mean that let's say you're going to map out all of your content and say for the next 30 days or whatever this is the content that we're going to focus on these are the videos that we're going to do yep. would you then advise that somebody would go do like a personal branding photo shoot with the aim of I'm going to get these images for YouTube that I need them like I think or is that overkill? I think it's overkill. And the reason is YouTube actually likes things that aren't too schlick. Right. Um, like that word schlick. Yeah. It's just, is that another drain word? Probably. I like that. Schlick. So there's this kind of happy medium where you want the image to be looking sharp and good and professional right. and definitely to be at the highest res you can do, um, to be well lit, to be well coloured. But I don't think you need to go and hire a professional photographer and go and do that because if you do it, it'll look too polished okay. and it'll potentially turn off your audience. Because remember, your audience nine times out of ten is you. Yes. If you speak to most entrepreneurs, they are, they've created a business for 
their ideal avatar, which is nine times out of ten them. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like, yes, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so it can't be too split. You need to be related. Relatable. It's got to be you. It's got to be us. Yeah. It's got to be... But so if you're worried about um, looking too silly or where yeah. to come, I'd say go and look at Marie Folio and have a look at her thumbnails. From when she started to where she is now, I just had not before we yet started chatting today, um, and the journey that she's taken with those thumbnails... You don't have to go from out there uncomfortable if that's not you. Start somewhere elegant. Start somewhere where you're comfortable and you feel like you can be yourself, but follow some simple rules of okay. the face or the image needs to be large because the thumbnail is going to be small. So you've got to think about it. You know when you go to Netflix yeah, and you're going to watch the show with a thumbnail that is most attractive to you because that's the top of the funnel. So you've we got like the pretty. We like the pretty. Yeah. YouTube's bringing you potentially millions of views, new customers. They're all coming. And YouTube's going to show them your thumbnail and it's going to test your thumbnail in that first kind of week period. And depending on what percentage of people click on that thumbnail and for how long they watch, YouTube is either going to reward you or not reward you. And if it rewards you, it's going to push you out on the algorithm. And, and that's where you're going to find that exponential audience, that, that size. And that's what you're going for. So you're trying to get a thumbnail which is going to give you the highest percentage. So we like in kids, we like to be around anywhere from 8 to 12, sometimes 14% um, on our click-through rate. That's, that's okay. good for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of crap ones that are yeah. probably, you know, four and five. We go back and we change them. So if the thumbnail's not performing, you can go back and change try a new one. And the other thing is you want to have a video that's really good. Yeah, and make the best video you can make and one that your audience is going to yell yeah. and want to watch. Because I think with us, the thumbnails are letting us down because it's like I look at it and I'm like, nah, that looks a bit boring, but it's, but it's typical entrepreneur thing, right? And I'm holding up my hand and I also say to female fusion members, like, we are not perfect. Like, there are... Yeah. We're great in some things, but then like the video content is great. Yep. But the thumbnails are just a little bit of work. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a simple thing, and you don't even need to have a fancy camera. You can just get your iPhone and okay. you know um, actually go into the settings on the phone and make sure that it's shooting in 4K or take your yeah. highest quality photo that okay. you can do. Light yourself well. Take a mini photo shoot. Yeah. For yourself. Yeah, in different kind of um, smiling, happy, interested. Think about that's the video. Surprise! It doesn't have to be. If that's not what you want to yeah. do, have a think about how you could visually describe what you're about to talk to with your face, or how you feel in this particular podcast interview. What are you excited about? Um, or you know, what could you? And I think it's really important if it's your podcast, like for female fusion, yes. that people see you. That's yeah. really important. Yeah, it's key because you're the brand. Um, but maybe it's not me in this podcast. Maybe it's you with um, a YouTube symbol or, you know, talking YouTube or, you know, it doesn't, yeah. you can compose these thumbnails in, in multiple different ways yeah. to make it grabby and interesting. So um, I like that. Yeah. As well as thumbnails, captions make a difference as well. Yeah. Huge difference. What? If you're going to be on YouTube and you got the thumbnail right, what do you need to think about with captions? Well, you need to have them. So um, you, basically you can either upload the caption file or you can type in the, the captions. 
Um, they're important for a couple of different reasons. One is that YouTube, the algorithm is reading the captions and it's yeah. giving you extra keywords. So anything that you say is, is being tracked by YouTube. Yeah. So that's important. The other thing is um, a lot of people watch videos in bed or on the train and they read the captions. They don't want the yeah. sound up. And the final third thing is um, people who are learning English. Yes. or whatever language yeah. you're speaking in, yeah. the captions are great because it's also a teaching tool as well. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely captions. Um, 100%. Yeah. Okay, and what about what we call our video? There's an art to that. So the first thing is I would have a video that is on an interesting topic or featuring an interesting person. I wouldn't just make a video for the sake of making a video. That's not going to do well. Um, Google Trends is the best go-to and it's really easy to do a search. You can search um, keywords, you can search, oh gosh, so many different things. You can do Google as a whole or you can do YouTube. Um, we always do our searches usually on worldwide. You can also search different, um, so an example, if I was making um, a video for children and I was going to do, in Australia, we sing Dinsy Winsy Spider. Yeah. What do you see? Um, in the UK, it's Gimsy Winsy Spider. In America, America it's Itsy Bitsy Spider. Yeah. So if you do a search on Google Trends and you put in worldwide YouTube, uh, Itsy Bitsy versus Insy Winsy, ah. Itsy Bitsy is like a hundred times. Yes above where Incy Wincy is. And so if you're wanting to reach a bigger audience, that's really important that you have the right title yeah. and you've made the right video that is aligned to your audience. But then all the Australians are scratching their heads going, what? Yeah, but see, <laughs> the, the choice but then is, global. do I want the global audience? Yes. Or do I want the you local know. audience? I mean, you can make two if you wanted to, yeah. but um, in that, yeah. yeah, if you're going for the larger audience. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's so important. And um, I've been talking to female fusion members this week about the importance of thinking global, right? Absolutely. But especially now that everything is digital, it doesn't matter what business you have, unless what you're offering is very, very local, that everything that you do has potential international customers. So they're there wanting to buy from you. So why not? Exactly. Take advantage of that. Exactly. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs to use YouTube as a funnel towards your online course, to your book sales, to your, you know, whatever you do, this is a massive broadcast. If you think about what it costs to go and buy primetime television ads, yeah. you know, here you have it really for free. All you've got to do is make the right content and pop it up there. When I say free, there are costs involved, obviously. But um, really, it's making this global reach accessible to everybody. Yeah. Wow. Pretty. So many, so many entrepreneurs don't use YouTube. And I really hope that this has given them insights and ideas as to why they need to show up more on YouTube and take advantage of that. I don't think it needs to be scary. And the yeah. thing about YouTube is you can dip your toe in the water. Yeah. And start small. You can see if you like it as a platform and as a medium. And then as you build 
confidence as you build equipment, as you build whatever you want to do, you can you can grow the channel, the yeah. platform will, will help you grow. And I think that's really important. And the, the advertising on YouTube is cheaper than on other platforms as well, isn't it? That yeah, I in the kids and family space, we don't advertise on YouTube because it mucks up the algorithm. I, I did an experiment a couple of weeks ago where I tried to do some advertising on Spotify. Well, I did advertising through social media that was pushing to Spotify and the algorithm didn't like that. So when my main income stream from Spotify is from streams, I need to feed that algorithm and keep it going. So I don't muck it up with ads. If you're doing ads that are not really connected to the channel but are driving towards a product, yeah. then that's a completely different format, but I'm not okay. talking about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, I, I find that interesting because everything, there's so many other platforms. Oh, absolutely. Totally. And so often entrepreneurs just think, I'm going to go on Facebook, I'm going to go on Instagram. Yeah. But then there's these other platforms that people don't think about that actually maybe it's where your audience is sitting because so many people's audience is actually sitting on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. I've always liked, for, for us, what we've liked is the organic approach. Yes. We like to grow the audience um, and get those lifelong customers that want to stay with you for a really long period of time. And I've done it a couple of times when I've gone and paid for ads on different platforms and they haven't really worked. I mean, back in the day when we were doing live shows, we would spend a fortune on Facebook ads because mm -hmm. that worked really well yeah. for us. But again, I think there's something right now that I'm loving the fact that I can make content, put it on YouTube, and YouTube goes and finds the audience for me. And I think that's amazing. And you're about having to sell tickets. I don't have to sell tickets. Or you drive around the country. I don't have to drive around the country. Are you, are you ever going to tour? Again, there is this... Well, so what we do now is we do buy-in shows. So, for example, it's you know Christmas here, so um, we're doing Christmas concerts this weekend for the city of Sydney. So they've booked us to come and perform at their big outdoor concerts. That's lovely. Yeah. I just rock up, put everyone in costume, put them on stage, and we have a great lot of fun. Uh, we did the Melbourne International Jazz Festival recently as well. Those yeah. kind of events, great, love yeah. those. But yeah, no, I'm not going to go and sell tickets anymore. I'm done. It's so done. Uh, it's so interesting, like how the pandemic has just completely transformed our businesses in a way that five years ago we wouldn't have thought of this. Right? You know, and if I, if you had said to me, what if you gave up this business and you would have run? A YouTube channel and Spotify and train people how to do it. What what would you prefer? I would have been terrified of letting go of that. Right? Yeah. There's yeah. no way I would have done it. Yeah. So in a way, even though it was the roll like the rockiest roller coaster ride during that COVID period, but coming out the other end of it, I'm very grateful because I can now throw old grace for the end. Yeah. One day be animated and like it's it it gives me opportunities that I wouldn't have had if we were still touring with a truck. Mm. And what's interesting too, I was talking to Dr. Lucy about this when I did an interview with her. She's like, I'm in my fifties and I know more about like video editing yeah. and Kajabi and mm -hmm. meta ads and doing all of these things that a few years ago, like before the pandemic, you never would have thought that. And probably the skills that she has in her 50s, she's probably much more qualified than somebody in their 30s. Yeah, and I'm also so grateful now that you can have a meeting on Zoom and it's the norm. 
Um, you don't need to get in the car and drive, you know, across the city to go and have a meeting. People are quite happy to jump on Zoom. I do like to mix it up a bit because I don't yeah. like to just sit in my office. But I, I think um, it's opened up. So it's just made everything a little bit more fun in a yeah. way. So yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. So do you do any work helping entrepreneurs work out how to do all of this? Yeah, we do. to get on YouTube. And so how can people find you? Um, you can just email me or find me on um, Instagram. It's Tina La, T-I-N-A-L-A-H. Um, and so, yeah, I do work with, I consult one-to-one with um, businesses that want to work in this space as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. I think this is going to be one of these ones that everyone has the pad and paper with them to get <laughs> the notes. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of the podcast. Now, if you are thinking that maybe your personal brand could be a little bit shinier, I've put together just the resources for you. Female Fusion's personal branding toolkit goes into everything that you need to secure speaking opportunities on podcasts, speaking opportunities at events or conferences, and to be able to nail the very best personal branding photographs. It's all together in one handy pack with mini trainings and Canva templates. I've included the link in the show notes and all you need to do is hop over there and grab it.